0: This episode is sponsored by Nitor, a digital engineering company. People are lazy by nature and thus need to be supervised. This is one of the myths that Nitor wants to bust. Without trust, a lot of energy is wasted and people work against each other. Instead, a better digital world is created through flexible structures and agile management. Nitor ranks extremely well in both customer and employee satisfaction. Our clients and our employees are smart, so it would be stupid not to trust them, says Matti Vilmi, the CEO of Nitor. To learn more about the myths Nitor is busting, go to nitor.fi slash myths. Today I have a very special guest. His name is Peter Sunde. Peter is one of the founders of the Pirate Bay. The Pirate Bay is an online index of digital content often used for sharing copyrighted material such as movies, TV shows or music. The Pirate Bay is possibly one of the world's most resilient websites since the authorities have been trying to take it down for more than a decade and yet it's still running. In 2008, Peter and two other Pirate Bay founders, Gottfried and Fredrik, were charged, and then later convicted for assisting in copyright infringement. They've all now served their sentences, but still owe millions of dollars to copyright associations. Since the Pirate Bay, Peter has worked on several things, such as Flatter, a way of making micropayments to content creators, and Nyalla, a privacy-oriented domain register. We discuss how Peter got into the Pirate Bay, how the Pirate Bay operated, what the trial was like, and what Peter is up to nowadays. Enjoy the episode.
1: Almost 30 years ago, I got a computer. Um, it was an Amiga 500. My mother um, had talked to one of her best friends who said that you should buy a computer for your, your boys and this is the one you should buy. So we got an Amiga 500 for Christmas, serial number 163, very early. I <laughs> mean, um, my brother, I was. I think I was... Must be nine, I think. So, yeah, almost 30 years ago. And, uh, well, we just played games, started to program, and that's how I got into everything. Just because, you know, very few people had computers except some had some Commodore 64s and uh, Vic 20s and stuff like that, but very few people had Amigas. Um, the few people that had became acquaintances of ours. We lived in Norway, in, in Bagen, in Western Norway and um yeah basically we started hanging out with other guys that had similar computers and then um, my brother got bored of it and i kept on working with or dealing with computers when did you get the first pc oh i think i was 18 something like that so i i, I did everything on amiga like i program demos do you know what demos yes, are yeah. yes yeah so i'm from the demo scene oh really yes cool. so i've been to all of the cool groups all of i've been to uh, assembly of course all of the demo parties that's awesome i was just gonna ask
0: because uh two uh interviews ago i had risto siosma who was the founder of f secure the company uh, okay. and we all actually talked about assembly with him because he okay. also attended assembly at some point and yeah, i've attended yeah. assembly in 96, 97, 98 or something like that. Actually, probably all the three years.
1: Okay, I, I was there first time in 94. And okay. then I, I think I won the music compo in 97 with a song that some friends of mine did. They couldn't, because you had to be at the demo party in order to actually enter. Yeah, so yeah. they gave me a song saying like, we can't enter, we can't come to Finland. So can you please enter? <laughs> so I won. <laughs> we'll and yeah, like, now almost like 20 something years later, I can admit... It was not my song, <laughs> but, but I won and I, but I gave them the prize. I can't remember if there was a prize, but there was something little and they, they got it and they were super happy, which is super nice because they were not after the, the glory of it. They were after just winning, having a good of song, course. which is of super nice. Yeah, yeah, of course. And then, of course, F-Secure, I, I meet Mikko everywhere I go in the of world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Yeah, the world is small. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. is. I've actually, Mikko has also been on the podcast. I would imagine. Yeah, <laughs> of course he has. Yeah, so I was on uh, this Finnish talk show. What's it called? Uh, some late night talk show in Tampere. Um, crazy guy and a crazy guy with a big hair. Afro something. Sean Rix is the host... I don't watch I, TV, so no, I don't really know. Me but neither. <laughs> I can't remember the name. It was a very, very nice show. Uh, and people from F Secure showed off, of course, and asked me if I knew Mikko. And I'm like, who doesn't know Nico? <laughs> yeah. Yes, that was funny.
0: So, uh, what you were working
1: with demos? What was your role? Were you like a programmer or graphics or music? Or, I was like, a programmer, and I also was like the typical thing that happens with me is I become the organizer of things. Okay. Um, so I did programming and organizing basically. Uh, I also had a BBS, so oh, yeah, I yeah. did some of that stuff as well because I was more into the networking stuff in general. It was more interesting. So uh, yeah. A little bit of everything. I'm I'm a little bit restless, so I don't want to do just one thing. Um, so yeah. So you hosted your own BBS back yeah. before the internet days. Yeah. So my BBS was the first BBS in the Nordics on Telnet on Internet wow that's
0: how old i am but that's crazy <laughs> yeah. that's that's amazing i remember one of the or the first bbs's that were somehow i don't even know how but they were somehow connected to the internet yeah so and you felt
1: crazy no so basically what you did is that you changed your modem uh from the modem you, you connected to the internet of course and then you changed your device instead of using the serial dot device you had a telnet dot device or telsare.device, dot device which essentially opened a port a telnet port to your computer so that you could accept so you tricked the BBS software into believing that it was a serial port that you connected to, so it changed into like a Telnet port instead. Very simple to do, but okay, it was no one was interested because internet was it was a it was a you know a fad. Of course. Yeah. It still is. We just have it is we we just have you know, it, it just peaked, you know. Now we're gonna forget it in a few weeks. Yeah, it's just the fad is just a little longer than we yeah. expected, but it's still a fad. Yeah, so. it's like the French Revolution, you know. We don't really know how it ended yet, you know. It's it's still too early to tell. <laughs>
0: yes, that's true. So uh how did you actually end up on the same RSE channels
1: or chat rooms or whatever where, where this happened, but with the other Pirate Bay founders? I don't really remember all of it. I, I think it was that someone asked if I could help with some database stuff, um, some mutual friends, and then I started helping with some database stuff for Piratebyrån, which was the group that uh, founded Piratebyrån. Yeah. Uh, um. So I started helping out with Piratebyrån, and from Piratebyrån came Piratebyrån. So I think it was that kind of thing. It was very fluffy, yeah. um, very... Not organized whatsoever, and just things just happen, so it's like all of these it's like you usually have this thing that you you know you step on a banana peel, but it's like you stepped on maybe twenty of them to get to where you are so
0: yeah so that that's what it sounds like that the whole thing was like there there wasn't like a single moment where where everything was decided that this is how it's going to work or this is how we're going to get started. It's just like bits and pieces happened here and there, and eventually you had the par bay.
1: Yeah, I, I think in general that is very few people say that we're gonna build this and then that happens. Yeah, I think a lot of people accidentally because of timing and you know, luck. These are the most important thing. The luck of the timing and the luck itself. Um yes. to get or on on you know, maybe not luck in this this case, but or I still think it is. But it's just accidents you don't really plan. If you don't have a lot of money, if you have a lot of money you can plan to get yeah, success. Yeah. Uh, otherwise you, it's yeah people can make up whatever reason but I think it's luck yeah and, and of course you make up the story afterwards of course yeah. you know that's the one of the few things I learned in history is like I learned two things in history lessons one is that history repeats itself and that the winner writes the history yes. so exactly okay but uh,
0: before we delve into the Pirate Bay more uh, it's probably a good idea to kind of walk the listeners through what it is so what is the Pirate Bay okay.
1: so the Pirate Bay is the Biggest, I would say the biggest sharing platform in the world. Uh, it is um, a website where you can go in, search for whatever music, movies, TVs, programs, pictures, whatever you are looking for, and find other people that are sharing that. So it's essentially yellow pages for information. Um, not for phone numbers for people, but for information. And then if you find the information you want, like a movie or a game, uh, you can download a small file called a torrent or you find a link to the torrent um and with that you have the information needed to connect to these people that are sharing this uh, this thing so it's essentially a database and a search engine uh of this the index of of information
0: yeah and of course what's important to understand is that the actual data is not hosted on the pirate base site
1: yeah that that is uh it wouldn't work that way exactly. so it's it's um the search and the index is centralized everything else is decentralized so uh, and has no real uh, no real center so if you want to share information you don't need the pirate pit to do that you can find the the um, inf- like the torrent files you could find somewhere else you could find the links somewhere else you can even email them to each other and then share thousands of people it's just simplifying the process of finding other people yeah so it's a dating site for computers maybe <laughs> that's uh, one way of putting it sure
0: yeah. uh how big, like, do, do you have any numbers, like, how big are we talking when we say that it's the
1: largest peer-to-peer network? So, um, when I, I think one of the last numbers I saw on Pirate Bay, a month of people sharing at the same time when I stopped working with Pirate Bay, was about 30 million people at the same time sharing something. So, active 30 million people. And I know that a few times when Pirate was uh, offline for different reasons, over half of the internet traffic of it, Europe at least vanished uh, overnight. Wow. Yeah. So it's even, well, there's probably more internet traffic today. So with Netflix and YouTube and all these streaming services, that was not around at the time. But I think that BitTorrent is still bigger um, than, than YouTube and Netflix combined. And the thing is that most of the BitTorrent traffic originates from Pirate Bay, and most of the other torrent services, this is very important, are depending on Pirate Bay as a backend. That's where they find their information. So when people are talking about the the, the fact that there are other torrent sites besides Pirate Bay, they're all heavily dependent on this one, I would call it a monopoly, unfortunately, which is the Pirate Bay and, and which is one of the issues I have with it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and what was your role with the PirateBay? Bay? so basically i would i was the spokesperson for it um there was not a lot of tech i could have done some of the tech i think i've done some of the tech but it was mostly was um a website that uh, it was a torrent server that was uh, someone downloaded and just installed and then it was fixed it was up and running like i think it was maybe a week of code and then uh, it was just running um so there was nothing else to do well we replied to emails um that 's the thing which people don 't really <clears throat> understood with Parpe is that there was very little work with the Par itself, and it was never updated. There was no new versions of stuff there were never really new uh, technology or new functions or anything. It looks the same today as it did ten years ago. Um, everything else around the Parpe took all of the time that so I was on you know traveling speaking about Parpe being part of discussions uh, representing the parpe uh, and and on t v and in media and in general. Um, and not only the PowerPay, but the, PowerPay is the community of the the users of the PowerPay. So it's never been, it's not a company. It's never been a company. Um, it's not an organization of any kind. It's just like, um, it's a website by some people that have a huge user base. And when we talk about being like working with PowerPay, it's like working for the community of PowerPay. So it is very different yeah so when the when
0: the opportunity arose for you to become the spokesperson for the pirate bay why did you start
1: or why did you decide to actually start doing it that was one of these like banana peels it's like uh i remember we got an invitation for some uh, from some journalist that wanted to talk to someone from pirate bay and usually we had this thing that someone from piratbiron talked about the pirate bay and then um so PiroPion was this think tank group that started Pirate Bay, And the, there was a problem that people confused the two. So one was an entity of hackers and uh, artists and uh, intellectuals, academics, talking about internet as a human right, all these things, starting different projects, whereas Pirate Bay was one of the projects that just became really big. And for political reasons, um, being able to talk into parties and so on, it was really important to distinguish, separate the two entities. Uh, a lot of people talked about downloading from Pirotbyron, which was not a really good thing. So we separated the entities and at that time, a lot of people from Biron said it was not really good that, well, we should respond because you have an opportunity to go and defend. Or, not even defend, you could even like, um, I wouldn't say do PR, but you can make people understand why it's important to be able to share information. So um, we were three people running the pirate at that time, like the kind of the team. It was me and Gottfried and Frederick, And... I'm the least bad of these three people um, mm. to talk with other guys, I would say. Because it, it's not that I had a skill for it or anything. It's just like uh, I was the least not... Well, uh, least unsuitable, I would say. Because that that is also like the thing. We were never good at anything. We were just like not just the worst. Um Pipe was never the best site. It was just the only one remaining. I, it's always these it is really funny that way we're like not experts but uh that was that was the thing so someone needed to do it someone needed to respond to the media someone needed to i wouldn't say defend again but someone needed to talk for the community and no one else could really do it besides me at that time so
0: so essentially you never made this like one big decision that i'm going to be the spokesperson for the pirate bay you just made a a couple of small minor decisions to go to one event or to, to answer to one journalist and then at some point you realize that I actually I've become the spokesperson for exactly. the Pirate Bay
1: yeah and and, and that was the, the thing it's like uh, I was the only one who ever had a title with the Pirate Bay like, even though it's unofficial and there's no company or anything like you don't have a CV or a resume from your previous employer or whatever <laughs> um, but it was um, everyone did whatever it was needed to do so like me and Gottfried and Frederick we could do any of the task involved because it was really simple but at the same time they didn't really want to touch the media stuff at all so it was really okay so I'll do it and everyone was okay with it um, Frederick didn't want to do it, Godfrey didn't want to do it I really didn't want to do it but it was important for my political reasons like the philosophy behind it, my ideologies was important that this was being done so I took that as a task that needed to be done more than anything else Sure
0: uh, and the Pirate Bay s- seems to be still running. So uh, who's operating it now?
1: I could guess, but I would probably be wrong. So there's always been a lot of people around it. Um, when I left, Frederick was the only one left with Pirate Bay. And then after, I think he left as well. And there's been other people coming into the, like, the organization. Um, my idea was always to like at the 10-year birthday to close down the website. Um and that didn't happen. And since then I'm pissed because it was like the only thing we agreed on before. Like we will close down ourselves on the 10th birthday was oh, really? a statement. Uh, Who did you make that agreement with? Internally, we had this agreement. Uh, with like, Gottfried and Fredrik? Uh, yes. Okay. And Pirotbyung uh, guys. Everyone was like, this is great because people have been trying to close us down forever. And then if you say like, this is the date we're going to close down. And you do that, no one else has been able to Th- then you win because in the end you will have to close down or you will do some you want to do something else or someone will close you down. That's the option. so the best thing is to say long time before when you close down and you you know you just leave as a winner at at uh, there's another thing with it, which was really important to me is that pirate Bay became and it's still like i said it was uh, people have this dependency on this, like the community have this dependency on the pirate Bay. The other torrent sites have this dependency on PiPay, and the problem is, as long as Parpay is around, no one will kind of pick that up. The responsibility—it's not being spread. And a typical thing that happens with the internet is everything becomes centralized, and we've always been against that. But now PiPay is part of that, so it's the centralized media center. Um, and if you shut down the PiPay, there would be space for other people to kind of diversify and, and decentralize a little bit. And then maybe make some new technology as well, because the same technology has been running for now almost 15 years. Um, and there should have been updates to it. It should have been much better. But because PyrePay is such a stable and trustworthy source uh, with no development, people don't want to move. Yeah, and it's it's, it's a brand. It is, uh, and that is awful. Uh, <laughs> it is really, really awful. Um, we've tried many ways to actually get rid of it so one of the funniest things is I don't know if you remember this there was a guy who wanted to actually put Pirate Bay on the stock exchange in Sweden this was among the most funny things that ever happened and, and tragic as well there was, uh, so there was a guy who wanted to um, he had a company who was listed on the stock exchange and he said I want to buy the Pirate Bay and, and, and that will be the business and he made some deals with the music and movie industries and and he was really crazy um, like a guy you want to love and you want to hate at the same time, but like give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, and the organization behind Pirate Pay was basically that if they actually bought the Pirate Pay, they would get the domain name and they would get nothing else. Everything else they would have a copy of, but it would still be free and open. And they would not be able to shut people out. They could not track people, all of these things. And then um, they would pay um, a huge amount of money to a foundation that was going to be set up. Uh, so the money would be like totally transparent into that and then PayPay would be listed on the Swedish stock exchange with a special rule where you could only buy one share each so all of the users of the PayPay could equally be responsible for the company owning the PayPay which was like a kind of funny democratic thing that you have one share in a company and there's like 1 million shares and 1 million shareholders it would be like a beautiful thing um, well yeah as beautiful as it can get with companies but um, instead, he got sued his ass off, and they threw him out of the stock exchange, and it was like a huge scandal. And he, uh, yeah, it was lawsuits, and uh, he lost. I think he won nine out of ten things, and went to prison for the, one of the ten things he got sued for, which had nothing to do with Pirate Bay, but still, like because of Pirate Bay, he went to jail, according to the, the newspapers. Okay, wow. Yeah, it was really, Crazy really stuff. funny. Yeah, but this is like typical what happened. And that, that would have been a nice ending of Pirate Bay because people were like, and this was deliberate from our part, like we knew that people would be upset that like it's being sold, like it's a sellout thing. And for us, it was not, and it's not a sellout, it's a sell-off because then we get rid of Pirate Bay and we have a huge amount of money for the community, which would go to like funding other Pirate Bay competitors, which they were totally fine with. Like, we could use all of the money to start a competing torrent site, which would have been great, because you don't have the history, you don't have, like, the, the luggage with Paripay. And it's, like, the best thing that could ever happen. And then it fucked up. And, but I was hoping the community would be upset enough to actually start a competitor to Paripay. Like, now they've gone too far, like, you know, let's leave, let's do something else. And no one did whatsoever,
0: which was really sad. Regarding the like the the point at which like the the operations move to someone else, uh, how does that practically happen in this case when when there is no like organization behind it? So it's basically like I mean when it, from a technical perspective, there's a, there's the domain name, yeah. Then there's like probably like uh, a password to uh, a a server, and after that, that's it. Yeah, that's it. But someone needs to maybe pay for some of the server costs. Somewhere. So that was
1: that was the advertising co- uh, company that the deal with the advertising company was basically they pay the server costs. That's it. Then that was the money. There was not a lot of money. That, that's always been the case. Uh I think there is more money now uh, because there is much more advertising and it's very aggressive and it's very different and I think when I was part of of PowerPay, like 85% of the users used ad blockers which was great. You should do um but that was basically the deal was that they paid so no one really dealt with that so there was more like uh okay so make sure that like you had your ssh keys on the server so like you could log in and then um when people joined for a project or to help out or whatever there was quite a lot of people that helped out temporarily and so on and so there's been a lot of people that have access to machines and so on and i think you know when you a few times when people basically said, "I don't want to be part of this anymore," maybe then we've deleted keys, and otherwise it's been more than, more that, okay. Now this server crashed or something, and we move over to a new server, and then we just put in the keys for people that are actually going to use it. So because they don't have the even backup from the old thing, so it's been like, you know, moving around. It's more like a like a shared, like a communal living. Maybe you have the keys, and then your community. L- moved to a different department, and some people didn't get the new keys. So even even during, uh,
0: like, before there was any plans of of, of you guys letting go of Pirate Bay, there were several people who had their SSH keys on the servers yeah. and could log in, so they were... Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. So it's been, like, um, just like Pirate Bay has been sometimes, like, two people or sometimes 100 people. Pirate has been sometimes, like, one or two, three people to maybe 10 people, and then... Back and forth, and some new people come in, some other people go out. It's it's been community stuff. Yeah, but this is very like this is very typical of what happens in the open source world. You have like yes. this is exactly the same thing, which was very funny because during the Pirate Bay trial, trial, uh, the prosecutor said like we were very organized, and I remember all three of us started laughing in court because it's like, and I think I yelled out like if if any type of organization had happened, it was disorganization. Like we were not even. As I told you before, we were not even unorganized. We were disorganized because we really did, you know, bad planning, bad organization if we did an organization. Um, So we would not have been a successful open source project even. But how did you, how did you like,
0: you did communicate, you'd have to have some discussions around the things that you were doing. Was that like IRC or like what were you using for? IRC, yeah, yeah, IRC. So you just
1: chatted on IRC. What if you like if you needed
0: to make a decision about something? How did that happen? Well,
1: if someone was around when you needed to make a decision, we just talked about it. And some, if so, no one replied in you know whatever time needed, that you made a decision. So very like people did, and then you know the day after, someone would be upset that you did that, but then fine, it's done. Um, one thing that has been really nice with both Peropieron and Parpe was that it is okay to have different opinions and both opinions or three opinions or four opinions can be the official one so very often we've stated things like this is the official statement from us and this is also the official statement with uh, from us that goes totally against the other one and this is okay because like we don't have we didn't think about messaging or anything it's very honest like we are a group of people that think differently do differently had different opinions but we agreed always on internet freedom copyright issues censorship stuff surveillance all of like the basic stuff even though we're like really far apart the three of us on a political scale um and most of the other people that joined in were even sometimes on a fourth or fifth kind of scale very different opinions the thing that like rooted us together was like these things so we tried not talking politics outside of these these ideologies i would say did you ever uh
0: go to like get into conflicts about this that that someone made decisions and you felt that like that that was a wrong decision and then very often
1: yeah. yeah 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 and uh sometimes someone would be so upset that they deleted someone else's keys and everyone else's keys especially being drunken especially frederick did this all the time um and um, then it's just like, okay, you know, every person have their different type of annoyance and different type of uh, healing and so on. But the good thing is that since it was expected that it was kind of a crazy group, things like this was bound to happen and it was okay. I, in that matter, I would guess it's like a rock band in some, some matters. Um, it is not a group. It's a, a lot of different people. And so, so that happened quite quite a lot, and every time it would be really really upsetting to someone. Um, the good thing again with being three people is that if you're two people and you're in majority, so that was a very easy decision that way. So, yeah. how about like I think a lot of companies when uh, when they
0: get into arguments over email or get into arguments over uh, other communication means where you're using text, they end up. Making a call to, to kind of discuss it over the phone, which often makes it easier to get around arguments or meet face-to-face. So did you uh, have any of those? Like you decided that it's actually probably
1: better not to have this discussion on IRC. No. So we didn't like hanging out with each other. That was the, one of the first things. Like we, I really hate hanging out with both of these guys. They probably hate hanging Like I can respect Gottfried because he, he is... Quite intelligent and he has a lot of like he can argue for himself. I really hate spending time with him for his political reason. Like reasoning though, we don't agree on anything. And with Frederick, I can't stand that he's you know always drinking, always making you know remarks about stuff I don't like and so on. Like he always is a annoying person. Uh, So we like honestly they they probably think the same about me and I'm totally okay with that because like we are different and it's fine to be different. So we've always avoided all type of communication except like, you know, IRC. Which made made it easy to focus on the things. So we didn't really start talking about other things. Like we had one common enemy and that that was the thing. Okay. So but you did meet face to face
0: at some point. Yeah. And yeah so many, like
1: many times. Yeah. Yeah. But, but many that was times. never like there was never I even uh, been on a holiday with Frederick. It was awful. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but,
0: but basically, you didn't have these like that. We meet. Uh, we we have a weekly meeting to no. discuss. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, It's more like uh,
1: someone wrote something at two a.m. On, on IRC, and then yeah, okay, yeah. that's yeah. it. Yeah, it was very. It was very. You know, but at the same time, there was a lot of things happening, so always had to do something, and was in the way of work all the time because that's also one of the things. No one got paid for this, so of course, uh, you ha- still needed to make money. So that was always a conflict. So how about uh, from a technical viewpoint, uh, IRC was unencrypted. Yeah, but we were running the IRC server and we were logging in from the same machine. So okay. Um, so you you had your own IRC. You were yeah, on yeah. EFnet or IRC. You uh, we probably or, that as well, but we were running our own own okay. server, own channel. Okay, you know? makes more sense. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay, and, so and probably yeah. if if someone had control over the IRC service, it would probably be one of the people we knew anyhow so it would be okay (laughs) okay uh and making a making a long story
0: short uh in 2008 charges were filed against the pirate bay for assisting in copyright infringement after several trials and appeals in 2014 you went to jail for five or six months and you now owe millions of dollars
1: in damages is this correct yes how many millions I think in dollars, I don't know. I don't care about the U.S. currency. But I think in in Swedish, it's like 100 million. So like 10, 12 million euros, something like that, I would would guess. I don't really know because it is really interesting. There's a 14% interest per year on this, uh, which is illegal in Sweden, um, interestingly enough. But they still decided that we will pay an illegal high amount of interest, um, which will be an interesting court case one day. I think it was 4 million to begin with. four and Four and a half something. So it has doubled at least since 2006. How do you pay for it? Like, are you currently paying for it in any way? Zero. I would never pay. So that's the thing. They can only take money from personal accounts in Sweden. And we don't really live in Sweden, any of us. Like, uh, sometimes we do, but most of the time not. So and that's it. Okay, crazy um it pisses me off that it's so easy to not pay damages though but it's also not damages this is um it was a mixed court case um so it was a criminal court case with a civil court case inside so we wanted to split that into two separate entities because first you have the criminal case where you decide if you're guilty or not but they wanted to also argue of how much money they have lost during the court case so that the judge would be looking at this as like it's not just about right or wrong, it's also about how much money would be involved if they've done something wrong. So that was like from a moral reason they wanted to, which is very uncommon in Sweden. But then again, the judge was also the chairman of the Swedish pro-copyright society, so he decided it was okay to do this very special thing, which happens once in 10 years or something, I guess. So um, all of the uh, damages, are not say damages, but the, the the costs associated with this are civil, so they're not that we have to pay the government any sort of uh, fines. It's that we owe privately owe money to these companies. Oh, okay. Okay.
0: Uh, Let's talk a little about the trial itself. So uh, what was the, when you think back on it now, what was the scariest
1: moment? I don't think it was scary. It was annoying as, as shit and very frustrating because people in court didn't understand anything. And, People fell asleep. Uh, People were very... uh, It was this feeling of, um, you know, a little bit Kafka-esque feeling because we we knew after a while that the judge was, as I said, the the chairman of the Pro-Copyright Society of Sweden. turned out that he himself had decided to take the case, which is very uncommon. Um, It also turned out that uh, the, the MPAA, Hollywood's organization, uh, Motion Picture Association of America, they were threatening Sweden through the White House so that they invited the Swedish government to come to the White House and said that they would do trade sanctions against Sweden if they didn't close down the power pay. Uh, so it would be on the same list as Iran and Pakistan and, and Cuba. Um, and also all of these things going on that we couldn't control. Um, the prosecutor said before the case that it was legal and then all of a sudden after this meeting in, in the US with the pressure on Sweden there was all of a sudden a court case and then a very weird organization and uh, like the, the, we have these layman jurors in, in, in Swedish courts and like one of them had a record company and he publicly said that uh, the record company went bankrupt because people file shared so that's why he's a good person to to judge in this case and then all of these things, it was it was a farce of so many kinds. And the worst thing was when he found out on Facebook that uh, that, uh the the police there was one police officer that was responsible for the whole investigation. Um and uh it turned out like two weeks before he ended the Pipe trial, he changed his network, affiliate network on Facebook from Swedish police to Warner Brothers Universal. We thought it was a bad joke. And then it turned out that he, for one year, had been working both as a police officer but also knowing that when he's done with the Pirate Bay investigation, he would start working for Universal and, and NBC and Warner Brothers, something like that, in Sweden as their anti-piracy manager for Europe. And the first case he got when he started working for them was the Pirate Bay case. So, And we were like, what the fuck is going on? And this was very frustrating during the trial because this was all being talked about. And the Minister of Justice in Sweden said, this is great that we have police officers that are so skilled that even Hollywood wants to employ them. It's like, And like, what is going on? So we felt this, that was, you got really upset about that. Like, it was so obviously not, uh, uh, you know, uh, any okay court case. So you knew that you were going to lose. And even the day before the verdict came, someone actually called us up and told us what the verdict would be um, because it, it got leaked mm-hmm. So, uh, that was it was a very strange bizarre thing. So it was not scary. It's just fucking annoying and frustrating uh in that way. How about now that some years have
0: passed since since that, uh what are your feelings about it now? Is it has has anything changed
1: regarding your feelings about the trial? No, I'm I'm still really upset about how little happened when because you must realize like all of the things I said about how corrupt the court case was was on every newspaper, every TV channel. Everywhere in Sweden, and most of Europe had this, and nothing changed. nothing happened. No one got arrested from for corruption. No one got investigative corruption. actually, when we uh, charged the, the 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 judge, his f- best friend was the one de- doing the investigation in if he was um, uh, biased or not, and he was the co chairman of the same organization pro corporate organization and This just happened, and like uh, the frustration is still in me. Like uh, when you see all of these documentaries, like the Jinx and Making a Murderer, all of these things, and there's one going on in Sweden right now about like bad criminal cases and how corrupt the system is. Like I've been part of one of those, and still, you know, this is going to go on and on and on. But then again, on a personal side, like I've gained quite a lot from the whole ordeal. I've, you know, people invite me all over. I have a lot of friends. People have been I've been working on super interesting projects. I'm happy, I'm proud of what I've done. I can look myself in the mirror every morning. I don't feel regrets of any sort. And I know that if you've been, you know, a corrupt judge or police officer, either you're a really, really bad person if you, you know, if you can stand up and look yourself in the mirror knowing that you sent someone to prison for money. Um or else you are like you just a douchebag. Um And I'm okay with them having that feeling because I don't have that feeling. So for me, it's okay. I'm still pissed off for like, the I I want things to be right. Like I really don't like when some things are like not fair. We did not have a fair trial. Um, But I'm more worried about the next person, the next person, the next person. So... In principle, I think
0: accusing a torrent tracker for copyright violations doesn't really make sense because it's basically like with the same logic, you could blame manufacturers of Wi-Fi routers for, yeah. for illegal actions. But yet in practice, the Pirate Bay was mostly used for or, and probably still is mostly used for sharing copyrighted material. So basically what it seems to me is that essentially what the court decided was that the practice mattered more than the principle. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, but that's not the case, actually.
1: They said that it was proven that these files, there was 34 files that were in the court case. They didn't talk about the rest. I even showed them statistics where you were proven wrong with what you said, because maybe 10% of the material was, well, all material is probably copyrighted because you can't really abstain copyright. It's an impossibility in most countries. Um, But 10% was like commercial things and they were probably very heavily uh, copied yes sure but that's less than on youtube and the rest was just like a huge amount of like personal data uh, uh obscure things it was a much bigger long tail on pirate Bay than it was on any other sharing platform because otherwise you have this there's no um there's no like um, gatekeeper to upload. Anyone can upload. On Spotify, you can't upload your music if you're not part of some organization that goes through and quality controls all of this. You could even upload viruses to Bay, as long as you state it is a virus. That's fine. So you have all of these weird things which make up the bulk of data on Bay. but the most downloaded things that you see uh, because you don't see all of the data. You just look at the top list which most people do. That would be commercial stuff. Um, So that doesn't really matter they just went for like these 34 uh, works were illegally uh, used and that's it and then of course the name probably didn't help and then that we were openly against all of these things but legally it doesn't matter like you're totally okay with you know having whatever opinion you want sure so how how would you want to change the copyright laws I don't want to have copyright laws to be honest like uh, in a commercial matter like uh, if you make money from uh, you know from uh, from using some software or something, sure, I don't really care if that's your business. Like, uh, But for private use, copyright should be ignored. Uh, I don't want to deal with copyright, you know, making a new copyright legislation, which the Pirate Party is trying to do all of these. like, you know, uh, I think that's the wrong way, because then you agree that copyright is a tool that is usable. I don't think copyright is a tool is, which is usable for the things we want to achieve. So the whole idea with copyright is that Uh, it was in place to protect people from not having copies that went wrong. And then afterwards, it was made to be somehow uh, a warrant that people would be able to make money from, that no one else would make money from your work. Um, But if the idea of copyright being that you're supposed to make money from your work, then copyright is actually not uh, very helpful. It's actually the opposite. All research that are independent would show you that copyright is just an annoyance for most people because the more you copy, the more you actually consume and pay for. Um, so the, I think always that the difference is that people should stop looking at at copyright and then start thinking about alternative ways of funding. But there's never really a good... Um, there's not a lot of people that want to change that way because you, you take your old business and you make it digital. You just put it on the internet, the same business model you had before, and then you're upset if something else has changed. But it is a new way of looking at things. There is a new a lot of new possibilities, but that also means you have to change the way you look at how you get paid. Um but since you're you know, these companies are so powerful, they don't have to. They just complain instead until they get what they want.
0: And I think one of the things that or one of the reasons why people also use the Pirate Bay was that it was just so much easier to get stuff from the Pirate Bay
1: than figuring out how you could pay for it. It is also very impossible. Um in very many countries. So I I, I travel a lot and I go to All of these weird places in in the world. And uh, whenever I go to like South America or, you know, uh, Asia and so on, uh, a lot of countries are not very rich and they don't have what is, you know, called a market. Um, So they don't have a possibility of buying things. They don't have a way at all. So if they don't have file sharing, they get nothing. So that's the only way for them to reach things, and and that's why wherever I go, I meet people that are super happy that they can speak or they have a job or you know speak English or they have a job or something because they illegally download something of Pirate Pay. and that's why they do what they do right now, and it has this tremendous impact on people that are not catered to. So if we have this market economy, we will never go to the underclass where like the the, the people of the lower classes are because they don't have money to pay for this. And that was like the most important thing for me with is that everyone has the same equal rights to information and the same equal rights to build. And with the internet, it's a perfect tool everyone could have. We just have to figure out a way to make sure that there's money involved with that as well for the people to create these works, but not for, a third party like Warner Brothers to make money off someone else's work and then complaining about like not getting paid for it enough when they themselves take ninety nine percent of the money.
0: So basically, what you're hoping for is that we could get rid of copyright laws, and that would result in uh, companies and entities finding other ways of funding the creators.
1: Just look at the internet; like everything has changed with like how you fund your newspapers, your media. Uh, your podcast would not have existed. Like if you did radio before, you would have like all of these gatekeepers, all of these things that would decide what you could and couldn't do, all of this regulation. So you needed to find another way of monetizing this, right? Um, but the media didn't really have to. Like the the movie and music industry didn't really have to. They just said, "We are not okay with this. We want to control the internet. The internet has to oblige to our rules." Uh, instead of looking at it like the internet is great because it allows people to do things which is intrinsically good for humanity and good for people and good for information and good for culture. Uh, so they're going against all of these things in order to make money. So the only way we can actually utilize the internet and making culture available for everyone is to find these alternative methods uh, of of funding, which like look at Kickstarter, look at Patreon, look at like Flatter that I created, uh, uh there're different ways of thinking about value um and i think i think that's the question like value is not just value in in terms of money value is also the value to you as an as an individual and has to be valued against how your the position you are in life which country you're in uh how much money you can afford uh all of these things and and, and no one really tries it's like yeah this thing costs this amount of money and It doesn't really work when you have access to everything in the world. Uh, What are you up to now? So I am, together with a Finnish company, production company, being a production company, I'm doing a TV series about activism. Politicians don't really have um, control over global issues anymore because like with the globalized world, national legislation doesn't really matter that much anymore, except in the United States, which is the globalized economy um, so, activists have a really important role to fill. So, that has been really important to me because I work the same thing with, with and, uh I also work quite a lot with animal rights. So, I have like this activist background from that as well. So, that is uh, one of the projects. Then I just started uh, a new company called Nyalla, uh, which is a domain hosting service or domain registration service which is a bit different. Um, It is totally anonymized domains. So you can buy a domain name and no one knows who you are as an owner of that. Um, Actually, you don't own it. Uh, The company owns it and you are allowed to use the domain name as as much as you want for whatever you want, but we will never release the information about who paid us to buy the domain name. Um, So I do that and then I, I still run iPredata, which is a VPN service that I started also like 10 years ago. Um, and I do a lot of artwork and and I wrote a sitcom that I'm trying to get produced and I I, I do a lot of different things uh, but uh, the thing is like I do them in like you know you have a few parallel projects and some take off and then you spend some time off that and when it stabilizes you do something else it's not I'm one of few people that don't have a diagnosis at all um, but still do a lot of different things because I I find it kind of boring to do the same thing all over again so I, I like to try new things Okay, that's that's cool. Uh closing
0: off, uh knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to yourself as
1: a kid? Um I think first of all, tell Gottfried to encrypt his hard drive. That is the most important thing to tell a kid me. Uh but otherwise, there is no such thing as regret. You can't really regret things. That's just waste of time and energy, so I wouldn't I would say go for it. I think that's the most important thing. Just go with your guts. As long as you can look yourself in the mirror, you're doing right. Thanks a lot for your time. Thank you.
0: This episode is also sponsored by Talented. Talented helps you score your dream job. Or if you see yourself more as a lone cowboy and you don't really want a job... They can also help you find freelancing gigs. To help you decide what's right for you, they've built a tool to calculate how much money you'd make as a freelancer. So, for example, if you can bill 100 euros per hour from your client, you can have four months of vacation a year and still earn an 8,000 euro monthly salary all year round. So, not bad. The link to the tool is in the show notes. Even if you're not currently looking for a job or freelancing gigs, you should still join the network. If nothing else, you should do it just to get to the summer party, which are here is going to be epic. Go to talented.fi. Harry and the fine people at Talented will make all your dreams come true.